Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to Rokapia Radio. Today we're back with a new episode of the Hasia Takeover, specifically, truly, madly, deeply, the podcast. For this segment, we will be exploring the themes and subject matter of the work of visual artist and documentarist Lavinia Xauza, whose current pro- project focuses on questions as why, in contemporary society, more and more people gather around groups with a strong identity and unity based on specific codes of norms and structures. Political supporters, football fans, online communities, etc. What are the motivations and feelings of these individuals who actually find direction and identity inside a group of people with whom they share a common belief or ideal? So obviously joining us today is Lavinia. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, thank you. Also joining us today is Jakob van Sterkenberg, who is a researcher working as an endowed professor in race, inclusion and communication, specifically in relation to football and media in the Department of Media Communication at the Erasmus University here in Rotterdam. And last but not least, we have Joya Wienstra, who is a supporter of Fine Arts, the largest football club in the Rotterdam area. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you so much. Um, I'd like to start off with Lavinia. You prepared a short introduction uh, to your work and the subject matter of your research. Please, could you share that with us? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, hello everybody. My name uh, is Lavinia Xauza and I'm a visual artist and a documentary maker. And uh, yeah, this year I'm indeed uh, part of the community, Hamburger community of art at Rotkapje. And uh, yeah, I prepared a research uh, introduction that pretty much repeats what uh, Arjuna just said, but I would like to read it to you. So. Um, As I spent my Italian childhood surrounded by churches, my work is highly influenced by religion and Christian culture. The center of my artistic practice consists in applying semiotics and sacred art research to an ongoing participatory art practice by involving groups of people on self-analysis and auto-recognition of their own role in history. Last year, I started a new research triggered by the feelings I, as many others, experienced in the beginning of the pandemic, while I was dealing with the sense of uncertainty and loneliness caused by the lockdown in the Netherlands. I painfully discovered that one relative of mine was following the leader of a populist party on Facebook. And then, yeah, I started questioning why contemporary society, more and more people gather around these groups with a strong identity and unity, based on specific codes of norms and structures. So therefore, indeed, the political supporters, these football fans, uh, the online communities, what are the motivation and feelings of these individuals who actually find direction inside a group of people with whom they share a common belief or idea? As it appears to me that these groups are slowly replacing the role of religion in the past, establishing a new opportunity to build a sense of community and identity, I wonder if there is still space to explore pluralism and diversity among their members. Does the identity of the individual surrender to the main image of the group, or is the group itself that conforms to the members' image and likeness? In order to research group dynamics, I decided to focus on a group of people here in Rotterdam that resemble the type of community I was looking for, the final supporters one of the most emblematic groups of people that somehow represent a little piece of the city identity. In my work, I would like to understand what is the real identity of Feyenoord. Does it match the one that we see in the media? Is it an identity that comes from history of the club? Or is it defined by the people that are part of the group? Okay, thank you. Um, Pretty clear. So we have a small grasp of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to start off with, with you, Lavinia, because as part of your research, you've been in touch with, uh, with a handful of supporters of Fine Art to gain more insight into... This sound is processed by StereoTool. Mm-hmm. Go to StereoTool.com. have very little contact with football before you started yeah. this project. So what's your insight on, on like the identity of Fine, Arts, of Fine Art and their supporters so far? Uh, yeah, these insights, uh, they, they, they're still a bit vague and there are a lot of open questions about uh, what is identity in a general uh, uh, idea of what identity is, but also what is identity within this group. Uh, the process of identifying this group started in Italy. Uh, 
years ago when when there was this little break in in a monument of this fountain that Fenor supporters <laughs> broke uh, years ago uh, during a riot and and this was my first relationship with the group right and then little by little I then then I moved to Rotterdam and therefore I was like in their house and 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 then yeah I started questioning if uh, in a way I could grasp the identity of of the city uh, analyzing or getting in contact with this uh, group. Um, when I started my research, I was pretty intimidated by indeed this mediatic image of uh, Feyenoord and of this kind of reputation of, um, yeah, a bit more uh, towards the right wing side. But then, uh, as a documentary maker, I really like to get in contact with people and open conversations. So I started to contact different supporters, and and and, and they open up a, open up a completely different universe that is a quite super diverse universe. Because in what sense, completely different? Uh, different so different from, from my from my from the from my assumption assumption or from my from this mediatic image that would always be projected on my mind, and I think um, yeah I was quite impressed to get into know people from different backgrounds, uh, people with different political views, um, people that uh, have different uh, jobs. Uh, we have working class people or we have uh, academics uh, being supportive and actively involved and wild for the club and uh, so there I'm quite uh, intrigued by this sort of paradox between yeah what 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 is the idea of an identity and what is the identity itself and if uh, how do we talk about identity and how do we frame it and that's why I'm very happy to have this uh, amazing guest today to talk about it. Yeah, on that note, I'd like to uh, go to Yoko. Uh, Yoko, we've been. Uh, could you give us a short summary of the type of research that you uh, do in your day today? Yes, of course. Uh, so my research is into football uh, already for 20 years now. So I'm mainly interested in football and multicultural societies so for instance what meanings are being given to let's say different ethnic groups by football fans uh, football fans in the stadium but in particular football fans in front of the television set because those kinds of fans are even uh, more massive let's say yeah? there are even more people watching in front of the television set than, than in the stadium but uh, yeah I, I, I supervise research that, that does both so both people um, yeah, let's say identifying with football clubs in and through media, but I also supervise researchers who really focus on um, identification, for instance, of supporters with Feyenoord also, because I work at Erasmus University Rotterdam. So, I mean, Feyenoord is the biggest club here in Rotterdam. And uh, how is the image of Feyenoord in the media, according to your research? There is a specific... Well, I didn't specifically focus on the image of Feyenoord, but of course, given my research, I do focus also on that when, when I read my... You know, the, 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 when I read newspapers myself, etc. I didn't specifically focus on it in my research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what I see is that there is a specific version of Feyenoord which is quite one-dimensional, which means that it's um, working class, that it's um, very reproducing a certain kind of masculinity which is uh, quite tough and um, um, yeah kind of also um, being associated with with yeah kind of hooliganism this sound is processed by stereo tool go to stereotool.com those are the things that come in into the news that come into the media um, another thing that comes into the media is the fact that finance supporters like to suffer right they are suffering because the performances are not always that good um, however, the fans themselves, they have a much more diverse view on all these things. But this is the image that comes from the media. And it's the image that most people in the Netherlands um, internalize when they think about the football club. However, fans themselves um, yeah, are much more diverse in their viewpoints. 
But uh, well, I don't understand how this image got to the media then. Uh, is it because of uh, facts or is it is an empiric result or? Well, that's a good question. So how it's, yeah, the historic trajectory of the image of Feyenoord, I mean, I, I should look into that, but my expectation is that there is a certain narrative as we see with many you know things also narratives around ethnic groups but also around supporter groups and at some point in time when things happen then that becomes the narrative and it becomes kind of fixed in time and over time so it even though fan cultures change in the, within the media it's kind of stabilized it's frozen in time um, so i do think that in the past Yes, things have happened that kind of triggered this image. Um, it has to do with the image of the city of Rotterdam, which is a harbor city, which is associated with working hard compared to, like happens very often, compared to Amsterdam, which is seen as like more people are more like, I don't know, enjoying life, more, I don't know, more associating the city with, yeah, with art, for instance, but that's all from the past. I mean, it's not anymore. Yeah. Reality, but still, uh, media uh, narratives—they tend to, yeah, stabilize over time and get frozen. And I think that's that's still the case, even though it's outdated. You see this repeating time and time again. And given that many people um, who watch the media or who read newspapers or whatever or on social media, given that many people don't go to the club, they accept this image. So they also reproduce it when they talk about Feyenoord because they don't really know the club. They don't go to the stadium. They don't talk to supporters like you have done, right? So they just see the, this image. They start talking about Feyenoord in that way and then it's reproduced. And that's very hard to get away from that image or to change that image, even if you would like to do that. Um, but the same applies to other football clubs, of course, but we're talking about Feyenoord now in particular. Yeah, I'd like to ask you about that because... Um Like Feyenoord, to a certain extent, in the Netherlands at least, has a little of an extreme, uh, well, let's say, a context of, of how people view this club and the supporters. But how does it compare to, let's say, because you mentioned Ajax, but how does it compare to other like football clubs in the Netherlands? Is, is Feyenoord in that sense really a lot more extreme immediately seen or... Yeah, it's, Feyenoord is seen as a club of the people. Um, more so than many other clubs and um, uh, also seen as part of working class people which has to do with this image of working hard uh, showing perseverance in hard times which may have to do with the fact that the performances are for a large club right the, one of the largest the performances are not always that good so this kind of st standing by your club even in difficult times yeah is part of the narrative around Feyenoord much more so than many other clubs um So in, in that sense, Feyenoord is different uh, compared to other clubs. Um, so yeah, that's 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 I would say that's the main the main the main difference. I I, I would say now I, I will come to other things later on. I think, but that's what comes to my mind right now. And what make it similar to other clubs? Yeah, I think what happens to what what's what's similar is that fandom is very much rooted in the local community. So. Um, it's a bit ironic in a way, right? Feyenoord supporters, they hate, let's say, in the narrative then, right? Not every Feyenoord supporter hates Ajax supporters, but in the narrative, every Feyenoord supporter hates the Ajax supporters, the Amsterdam supporters. In reality, this is not really the case. But the thing is, the ironic thing is, if those same Feyenoord supporters would have been born in Amsterdam, they probably would have supported Ajax. So the, the, where you were born and the, the, the rootedness in your place, in your in your local community is very important. And, but this applies, you asked about similarities, this applies to many clubs. Of course, there are people born in Rotterdam who support Ajax, that's true, but in general, um, if I look at myself, I was born in, in you know, underneath Rotterdam in a village. I, I grew up with, with Feyenoord. This sound is processed by StereoTool. Go to StereoTool.com. Not fanatically, but still. And then you grow up with it and you never, yeah, you kind of don't abandon that somehow and, and and so the and but that's the same for every club basically Ayako, uh, yeah i wanted to before going forward um how come that you started to research about uh, the stadium world well in my view football is extremely interesting because a lot of emotion you know is 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 taking place in the stadium but also in front of the television set when the when your favorite team plays 
And the fact that it's so emotional means that people say things that they would not say otherwise, right? So they say many things uh, that are usually uh, hidden. But as a researcher, it's really interesting to see what remains hidden. And football is a place where you can see the narratives that usually remain hidden. These can be very, um, let's say, um, positive narratives in terms of uh, um, being unified, a feeling, a feeling of togetherness, but it can also have negative connotation or negative consequences, which means that exclusion take pl takes place towards the opponent or so uh, discrimination, anti-Semitism, these things also take place in the stadiums. And you don't see that usually on the street and you do see it in, in football, not only with Feyenoord, but in many football, um, yeah, in many football contexts where people get emotional, they start shouting things that they wouldn't normally do. As a researcher, that's important because it's still there in society, but we d usually don't see it. Yeah, I really am also personally very intrigued by indeed this fact that the stadium becomes a mirror in society, you know? Like you have this um, the reflection of uh, a little word that represents a bit, uh, I think that the city itself or like the different dynamics and politics, no? Uh, but can I ask you a question, guys? Also, how was your inclusive, exclusive uh, experience in uh, with the club? Um, how did it start? And uh well, uh, personally, my I the first time I came to the stadium, I was I believe I was uh, six or seven years old with. Uh, uh, with my mother, who is uh, who is lesbian, visibly uh, lesbian, if I can say it in that way. Uh, but I personally have never experienced anything. Of course, I'm uh, only speaking for myself, so I don't know if other people have ever uh, experienced anything there. I haven't. Maybe because I don't look uh, foreign or, uh, well, don't experience myself that way. I have never seen uh, anything there uh, in the Kuip or uh, in Rotterdam for that matter. Again, that's only my personal view. I'm not uh, entitled to say anything about anyone else. But again, I have never never actually seen anything uh, happen. Of course, there have been uh, incidents. Jaco already referred to the anti-Semitism. Uh, that's there. <laughs> a lot of people often say, well, when uh, we don't really mean well, let's just say that our Arjuna knows which <laughs> what I'm talking about. Especially, uh, well, looking at at Ajax, uh, there are a lot of fine supporters who see them as well. They say they are Jews and stuff like that. I don't know what's what's the the, the historical background of that is. I don't know, but um, so I know it's there. Personally, mm. I've never really experienced it. Mm. But um, so you went to the club, uh, you went to the stadium with your mom, yeah, and um, and then you, it was like a weekly practice. Yes, that it then, was. Then yes. it became that it uh, evolved with your friends, probably, or well, not really. Mm. I've been to the stadium a couple of times with some of my friends, but most of the time I actually went with my family and with uh, some family friends, mm. uh, even <laughs> some family who supports uh, Ajax. Which was great, by the way. Clashing. Uh, definitely. But uh, yeah, well, no, never with friends. I really like to experience my, uh, well, my, my visit to the stadium uh, with myself, actually. Just watching the football and just enjoying it. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. For, for us, it's more than that. <laughs> for us outsiders. But uh, I know that also Arjuna here has this... Uh, crazy story that starts from Indonesia. Great story. Yeah, tell us more about This sound is processed by StereoTool. Go to StereoTool.com. I lived in Indonesia until I was 12 and moved there later. And Well, my father's from Rotterdam, so I was, I grew up knowing about the club and and I was in a Dutch primary school in Jakarta, which has, we had like 50 children. Uh, all Dutch and 49 of them were for Ajax so we were like the only family from Rotterdam so there was this, directly there was this thing from oh we're for finance so I uh, fucked them all and blah, blah, blah. 
and then we uh, we moved to Rotterdam and I really started like following the club from that point on uh, for multiple reasons first of all like to get like common ground with people uh, living here because I was had some difficulty assimilating into like the Dutch culture etc and it was an easy way to like be a part of a community bigger than you and just you know getting in touch with other people around you and like football is a really easy way to do that so for me became becoming a supporter first off was just trying to get find my place in in the city and between every other people and but that grew and then the club grew on you and at some point you're also standing there in the stadium screaming all this weird chants and uh, screaming at the television set so yeah it grows on you yeah yes it does definitely but I also do agree with what uh, Jakko was saying before. Uh, if we were born somewhere else or we would have met other people in our youth, of course I would have supported another club. Mm. I support Feyenoord because I'm from here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also uh, wondering what is the drug for uh, Feyenoord supporters, as Jakko referred before, because I, I don't watch football. Uh, for the first time, I, I just followed the Euro Cup and I pretty much enjoyed because Italy was always winning <laughs> and I was like well I, I like uh, looking people like watching people to my team win and then you're like you have a good reason to celebrate and it's amazing but I thought wow how how boring it could be to to watch your team not winning <laughs> and uh, how 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 does it reflect reflects on Honestly, I'd like, uh, I'd like to think and like to know your opinion on that because uh, a theory I have is like uh, nothing unifies more than collective, uh, well, let's, let's say misery, maybe <laughs> a bit over, uh, overdone. But like, I mean, you go to the stadium and you end up like talking to people and standing next to you that in day-to-day -day life you probably never would start a conversation with and the thing is that there's this unifying thing of okay that everything that's happening on the pitch is terrible the players are sucking there's no goals everything is going badly and you're standing next to this guy and you find each other in the fact that it's terrible and it, it unifies to a certain extent how, how is that for you i mean how do you view that I was really already kind of prepared prepared for such such a question. Uh, I recently saw an advert from another club, unfortunately not Feyenoord, because it's uh, it's uh, Atletico de Madrid, mm -hmm. and they had an advert. It was a couple of years ago, uh, interviewing their uh, well their number one supporter, so the first supporter who well uh, became a socio. That's what it's uh, that's what a fan called in Spanish. Uh, well, in like 19, 1928. And he said, well, uh, I gave up everything. I gave up smoking, I gave up drinking, but I cannot give up my club because it, well, it, it kills me, but it keeps me alive in some way. So, uh, well, with every defeat, uh, well, my feeling for my club grows. And I think that's what you experience also, in a sense that, well, this, this cannot be broken. This can also only grow, grow stronger within ourselves oh yeah it's, to a certain extent it's not, it's not about success because no, if not. it was about success we would not all <laughs> yes. not be fire supporters and fire would not be that popular but I mean it's, it's about to a certain extent the sense of com community and, and being part of something from a very diverse group of people who have nothing to do with each other and yet they have something that unifies them to exactly. a extent but uh, uh, yeah because from this perspective I also quite like the idea that it it really relates a bit on the spirit of Rotterdam in general. So therefore, this harbor city with uh, all containers and ships coming from all over the world, and this, uh, yeah, like a very historical harbor city with a very painful bombing uh, uh, past that then uh, is rebuilding itself is always in the making. They say that Rotterdam will. This sound is processed by Stereo Tool. Go to StereoTool.com. We are still building together and we all have this uh, kind of underdog um, common uh, mission. And it's not really about like being the, the coolest city or the, the, the best city, but it's like, yeah, working hard people that, 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 that are fighting for, for making the place better, no? And I, I don't know, and I, I find it so similar to, to the 
to the spirit of the supporter that I meet. It's not a matter of winning, it's a matter of being committed and being, yeah. I'd like to go back uh, to something uh, you said earlier, Jaco, about uh, the image of, of Feyenoord in the media. and. Uh, one of the things that for me has always been a paradox, being a supporter of the club, but also being a person of color, something with a, a foreign background. Um, there's this paradox of, on one hand, uh, being a devoted supporter of, of a football club, and on the other hand, the, the, there's this well, lingering view, image of, of fine art supporters being this super violent, maybe a little bit right wing, and... Um, like, uh, Joy, I'd like to know what you think about it. Because there's this, I mean, we're, we're supporters of a club that we follow deeply. And at the same hand, there's this sort of, um, uh, this sort of uh, famous image of the club of being like a bunch of bald right-wing people destroying city centers and making slanderous... Uh, well, I know what chance you mean. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, I get what you how, mean. How do you view that paradox? Because, I mean... I mean, I, I, I know you personally, and I know you're quite of a left-wing person in that sense. Uh, and how do, do do you find it problematic that there's this, like this image of it, and and how do you relate to that? Well, I, I can't deny that, that well, all the things happened in Rome happened. It happened in uh, in France as well. Yeah, I think in Nancy. Yes, I think exactly. 2008 or and nine. So we can't deny this, that there are some kind of uh, well. I don't think you can really uh, politicize it that way because Feyenoord is not a political party so we cannot say it that way but um, I'm sure there are uh, a lot of uh, supporters for Feyenoord who are well <laughs> extremely uh, well how can I say this the best um, well vote for more extreme uh, parties let's say in that way but there are also a lot of Feyenoord supporters who don't and you don't see them in the media. You just see the the, well, the small minority. That's the minority who well, attacks uh, cops, attacks uh, uh, the fountain you were talking about. But that's only just a, such a small part, and that's the part that gets in the media. Mm. And it really, sometimes it upset, upsets me. I cannot deny that it happens, because it, it does. But maybe that's, that's like, I believe in Rome it was like 50 people. Yeah. And that's all. For, for like 2,000 people who were there uh, supporting our club. Those are not fine. Those are not really people who love football. Those are people who love uh, rioting. Yeah. Those are not supporters, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also honestly not... Um, yeah, I'm not sure I want to focus because now I'm, I'm about to start this uh, film. And... Um, and so I'm also wondering what I'm interested in and what I'm not interested in. And I, I'm, I'm also not really interested in, in, in looking for this like tiny little group of people that, um, that, that come out with this, with this violence. I'm really um, trying to, to, to work in the, with the, in the average of people and why people um, find a sense of unity and uh, the, like because I also met a lot of women, a lot of uh, uh, mothers that go to the to the to that that go to the stadium and have like jokes on each with each other and with the other supporters and there, there is a lot of flirting going on and and it's it's a, such a beautiful thing and I also wonder if it is something that. Um, it's a similar dynamics on how, but well, not that people will flirt in church, but uh, is it something that uh, lives uh, out of the legacy of uh, religion and uh, Christian church? Or what do you think, Jaco? Can we make a parallelism? Well, in terms of this sound is processed by Stereo Tool. Go to stereotool.com. Want to give meaning to life, and they do this in different ways. In that sense, and and and, and for giving meaning, it's it's yeah for people generally speaking important to be part to feel part of a group of a community. Well, in that sense, it's comparable. I think church and and the football stadium. I mean, it's it, the, the attractiveness of football. I think for many people, because you're saying that indeed many women you have spoken to, but it is in general quite masculine still if you look around in the stadium. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that 
people go going there what they also like it's the community feeling but also uh, male bonding com- camaraderie friendship yeah. especially I think with a club like Feyenoord where indeed the results maybe if the results were like top of the bill every year then you may identify increasingly with the results but given this this is not the, not, not the case I mean um, other things become more important and what I know from the Feyenoord fans that I speak to but yeah I mean the people here uh, but I've been to, to the stadium more often right so I'm but I'm not I, I don't live anymore in, in Rotterdam now so the other people here in the table can tell this better than I, I can if this is still the case but but what I know is that when I speak to Feyenoord supporters they really like that fact the friendship and going to also to have a beer before the match after the match talk to people that you usually don't speak to who are next to you in the stadium those things are important But it is usually a masculine still practice in general. At least there are women, definitely. And, and it's it's perhaps even getting more mixed. I don't know the figures. Maybe it is. Um, and it's usually also mainly white men. You refer to also ethnic diversity. And it's mainly white men. And we also know from research that in particular white men, I'm white men myself, um, they don't get discriminated or racially abuse themselves because they are part of the normative group in society. And if you see the stadium, there are, I mean, the vast majority are white men. They often also sing anti-Semitic songs. Sometimes they express racism, maybe not, Feyenoord fans are not uh, well known for that in the reason, but of course, Mendes Moreira recently, like to end of 2019, in another stadium, football stadium in the Netherlands, that, that, that was also football fans expressing racism in a very explicit manner. And I think the fact that so many people are there who are white men, they don't reflect on this really. They, they, generally speaking, they don't reflect on racism that much. They don't have much self-reflexiveness. And I'm always wondering what, what, yeah, what's gone into them to sing these anti-Semitic songs like Who Doesn't Jump, Is a Jew, We Need Springtis and Yacht. That, that It's across the stadium and it's everybody, basically, almost everybody. It's many people. And those people are not uh, anti-Semitic people in real life, let's say. There's not an ideology behind it. Well, with some perhaps, but the majority not. Still, they sing this. And, and, and I think it has to do with the fact that they never got maybe discriminated against themselves, racially abused, so they don't know that it can hurt other people because it does hurt other people. I know from research that it does hurt Jewish people in the Netherlands who hear this. And, and, but the people, uh, and, and, and it has to do with the fact that it's mainly white males in the stadium. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a positive side of feeling, um, um, uh, yeah, feeling together with others, um, a friendship, a community, but there's also this other side that's yeah more related to um, uh, not reflecting on um, your own songs, which may be hurting others. And that's that yeah. So it's really two sides of the coin that you see in the stadium. It's positive and negative. Mm. But uh, and then yeah, I'm I'm also trying to understand more your research. What what is the main focus of of uh, your? I guess you're like. Uh, um, writing a paper right now. To yeah, so my main focus is on 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 how um, football uh, produces meanings about ethnic diversity. So it's about, for instance, how football fans how they give meaning to the players of different ethnicities. Football, men's football in particular, women's football is a bit more white, let's say. But men's football is very diverse. You have players from from everywhere, right? Uh, black, white, they come from Europe, from South America, from Africa. So there's almost, I think, no other um, event that takes place every week in front of so many people. There's no other event where meanings are given to ethnicity. People don't say, look, that black player is doing this or this white player is doing this, but they are talking about the players. They're talking about, I don't know, about... Jurgensen in the finer team, this, this finer squad. And, and then people see a white player, a Danish player. Uh, people talk about other players with other ethnicities. And my research is about checking and researching. This sound is processed by StereoTool. Go to StereoTool.com. Differently by football fans, but also by journalists compared to white players. Or whether Moroccan Dutch players are described differently than white Dutch players. And my research shows that this is the case. So there is stereotyping going on, there is uh, sometimes also prejudice going on and um, it also has to do with the fact, again, that football journalists are very white, that the stadium consists mainly of white males and that they don't usually 
uh, experience racism themselves and therefore don't really reflect on that. So all these stereotypes, they happen. So I'm looking mainly at the negative side, I must say, of football. I do acknowledge there is really a positive side and the football fans here at the table and I've experienced myself, that's certainly there. But in my research, I focus mainly on these aspects and they're also there. No, yeah, but we had also a very clear example last week, last week in the end of the Euro Cup, no? Like this uh, discrimination that happened for the English team, the British team, right? Exactly. That, that example that you saw happening there in England, social media racism basically in England, yeah, that's part of my research. And it has to do with the fact also that many fans, I've done also interviews, many football fans, when they think about the English national team, but also the Dutch national team, they still tend to think of it in their imagination as a white team, right? Literally, I've spoken to football fans who said, well, it's fine if it's diverse. We like a diverse team, but it shouldn't be too many Surinamese Dutch players or black players, because if it's, if it's because that's what I would ask then sometimes, what if the team consists entirely of black players, let's say? Then some white uh, football fans say, well, then I would probably, you talk about identification, well, then I would probably identify less with the team. It should be, a mixture is fine, but uh, yeah, yeah, preferably mainly white players, right? So, so you see here that um, that also what in, what happened in England. The players who um, the, the the fans liked the team as long as they were winning, but then they were losing and black players missed a penalty. Then, in the imagination, they are not really part of the team. They are accused because of their skin color in a way. So you could you know. So it's um, yeah, they they are not unconditionally belonging mm-hmm. to the team. They are. They're belonging to the team as far as things go well, but then if it doesn't go well and if they miss the penalties, then skin color is certainly uh, an important aspect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's really, um, I think it's so interesting that as soon as, uh, yeah, there, there is a lens pointed to them and as soon they be, behave according to the norm, like the according to, to, the, to the deal, to the contracts that they were hired for, then it's all fine. But as soon they actually um, yeah, commit a mistake, then they are completely outside the, the group, outside the group, outside the, the belonging and the, the, the identity of the, the team somehow. Yeah, it's exactly how you say it. The, a lens is put on them. So in, in, you know, in general things, you know, if, things, uh, if teams perform well, all seems fine, but still there is a lens put on them. And it means that they also feel this. I mean, when I interview players or coaches uh, of color, they also feel that the lens is put on them. And then when things go wrong, they, yeah, they, it could be put on them, the blame. And, and so um, you don't always see the fact that there is this kind of racism, but, but given only the fact that the lens is put on them, that they're more in the spotlight or then that, and, and, and that they are not represented in the boardrooms, that they're not represented amongst journalists, right? Because that's all white. Um, that already gives them a specific position that, yeah, that is kind of a position of the other and not, not part of the really of the team unconditionally. And that's still the case, unfortunately, in, in, in many, uh, um, yeah, contemporary multi-ethnic societies. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. When I started this research, I also touch upon this um, um, word uh, that is uh, a concept or a metaphor that we have embedded in our mind. That is the one of uh, embedded in our body. That is the metaphor of the body politic. No, how do we uh, understand? Uh, society? How do we understand, for example, our country? We always uh, think of uh, this um, working structure as, it, as if it was a body, you know? And uh, we refer to the, yeah, to the, the bosses, or the, the, the leading uh, governments as the head, and then you have all these units working according to the head, no? And I do find fascinating that this sound is processed by stereo tool go to stereotool.com especially talking about body representation and when when body becomes like a, a subject that is uh, in every other mouth no like the the body as a as identity as a body of color as a body with rights as a body that can that can decide for himself 
um, yeah, I, I find it interesting that, um, that 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 this research on on stadium world uh, in the pitch and uh, around the pitch um, put in 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 put in, in in examination what the body of the group is like. Do we are are we a group of bodies that? Um, resonate according a be, uh, to a bigger body, so that we kind of work towards this uh, this image of a perfect idealist ide ideal body that it could be like, for example, the image, the established image of Feyenoord, or are we uh, bodies that make this image and and the 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 the, the image of the club, uh, the the image of the team becomes. Um, uh, indeed, like um, shapes according to the bodies that are members of that, no? And um, and yeah, I, I see Yako as uh, unfortunately a, a good collection of facts that um, put go a bit in the negative uh, uh, experience of this so far. Or yeah, yeah now well, let me clarify that yeah. I, I look mainly at the negative parts because I think it's important to address the negative parts but I don't um, deny that football brings positive yeah. uh, elements and positive energy as well so that but it's just that my research focuses on on yeah crit I'm, I'm a critical researcher so I also look at things that can improve and therefore I look at these negative aspects and if you talk about the, yeah the football community or the football team as a, or football fans as a body I find it quite interesting as a concept, to be honest. I, I haven't really looked into it myself, and maybe I should ask uh, also the football fans here, but, but what I just said about uh, anti-Semitism anti in the stadium and the songs, that also is a bodily experience because people sing together. It can also be other songs. It can also be uh, um, songs to really support your own team about, your, about the club, but also these anti-Semitic songs um, um, are... I think are also a bodily experience. Isn't that true? I mean, you sing together and you jump, right? So we need sprinters and those. So when you do not jump, you're a Jew that you, you also jump. So it's really a bodily, everybody stands up and the whole stadium goes up and down and it's really a bodily thing. It is. Yeah, I agree. I do have experienced something uh, related to that because I'm uh, well, a small part of my family is from Amsterdam and supports Ajax. So I uh, d decided not to jump. And someone actually came up to me and said, hey, why are you not jumping? You're not supporting them, right? So why are you here? And that, yeah, you're right. It's, it's something that really, well, it, it creates a feeling within a group that, uh, well, you, we are doing this together. But for what, actually? That, that's the main, the main thing. I believe, well, it's... it's uh, well, if you ask this to a well to a to a hooligan, so why are you singing this song? They're they're they will say no. It's uh, we don't mean it to be racist. We think it's just about them. It's not about the the people itself. It's just mainly about uh, about the other club. But sorry, that's something you just cannot deny. Why are you calling them that way? And yet the absurd thing, though. I mean, like I totally agree with you. But let the same hand uh, at the same time when you're in the stadium and fifty thousand people are chanting this. Yeah. Even though, at one end, you totally do not agree with the whole, sim like the whole idea of, of, of yeah, basically a racial slur. Yeah. Still, you join in. Still, you jump up and down. Still, you chant the same thing. Because you know, I mean, the same for me. Like when I'm in a stadium and this happens, I mean, I associate myself with anti-Semitists or, or like with race, with racists or anything. But still, at the moment, when you're in a stadium, you're chanting the same thing you're still jumping up and down and you're joining into the whole with the when we came champions 2017 yeah. i mean the whole uh the cool single was packed with people and like the same thing i mean somebody starts everybody joins in 600,000 people are just going mad and then at the same time you're like this sound is processed by stereo tool go to stereotool.com like in unisono screaming this racial slur it's fucking absurd i mean sorry excuse yeah. my language but it's it's this paradox oh. i mean it's always been so such a strange thing to, to put what Jaco is saying is true people are, are are well are committed to say or and do things for well 
for fine art than they, that they wouldn't normally do. Yeah, exactly. It really is. I, um, when I started my research, I was also intrigued by this uh, project uh, called uh, Swarming Chance from an uh, artist uh, here in Rotterdam, Jan Adrians. And uh, he kind of um, created this parallelism between uh, what initiates this, um, this um, chance in the stadium. Uh, it could be related to, the, to biology and this concept of stigmergy that is uh, indeed like this uh, following of uh, a movement, of a coordination, of a choreography that it's, it's embed, in, embodied in, in, in this uh, sense that have, animals have, like you can see it in, uh, in the flocks uh, with birds, like how they move in the sky, they, they, they um, find their, their, the, the, the leader of the flock always change. And uh, according to the movement, they, 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 the leader constantly change and, they, they, they ch and the, all the flock uh, follow the direction of the leader, no? And I find that when uh, these artists uh, uh, try to, 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 to see if it's something similar in the stadium experience, and it was, like, the, this uh, chance get initiated by this sort of involvement of feeling it and then one person sings and like all a hundred people go along there is no choir conductor in that and I find quite fascinating in a, in a way of like really experiencing body, with the body like the this social um, behavior this uh, social uh, how do you say how masses influence each other no? how yeah, people in the mass influence each other. And I find it quite scary <laughs> and fascinating at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I would say also that because the, I agree, I think it's completely a corporal experience, a bodily experience, uh, but compared to the flock of birds, let's say, the difference here is, and that kind of strengthens, I think, the experience is that um, singing along with the ones you consider your fellow final report, it also brings, um, it strengthens identity, right? So it's a bodily experience, but also it strengthens your identity as a supporter and you're with the others. It's against, because part of identification is usually that you distance yourself from something else. You, you identify yourself only because there's something else that you don't want to be, right? So you want to be something, but you can only do that because you compare yourself to others. Yeah. So I'm a man because I compare myself. There are also women and you know that people that we see as women and people see as men. So this kind of, although now, yeah, of course, non-binary, that's contemporary times kind of reflect on that critically obviously but that kind of that kind of identification also takes place uh, and that's also i think important in the football stadium it's not only the uh, the bodily experience but in addition to that it's the identification that it kind of strengthens uh, versus the op the opponent let's say that's yeah i do yeah we were talking about it the other day this Feyenoord it's it's also unknown ajax team, right? It, for Antonomasi, like, you have this, um, the, this historical enemy that makes what you are. Um, uh, if, yeah, and, and indeed, if it's this IX uh, people reflect themselves more on this uh, Jewish uh, community, then, then, then unfortunately, then Rotterdam becomes this anti-Semitic Unfortunately, it's not like it, they don't decide for that, but uh, it's a very sad consequence, I guess. Yeah, because if you compare it to, let's say, PSV, uh, the other big club of three big clubs in the Netherlands, I mean, there's this image of them, these the supporters uh, being called uh, boeren, farmers. So there's this image of them being all backward, these backward. This sound is processed by StereoTool. Go to stereotool.com. Example, but like, um, like one of the things I've never really found out, like where did it start? Do you know that, Joya? Like, how do you uh, the the whole uh, image of of Ajax being like uh, associating themselves with the whole image of Yoda, Jewish people, 
also ca- calling themselves Super Yoda, having like yeah. songs in the stadium as well. No, I don't really know. I think it's well. I believe uh, the 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 Feyenoord hooliganism really started in uh, well, 1978 when yeah. Tottenham Hotspur came here and actually trashed our entire stadium. Uh, since then, uh, I already I, I talked with my aunt who was also a, a, a Feyenoord supporter for a very long time, and she really said that it really it the supporters kind of hardened after that. So uh, they became more violent, became more uh, well. They began seeing other teams as inferior or inferior people. I cannot say when when the really the the the, the chance started. <laughs> I really can't. Has you know, probably in the 80s, 90s, something right there. I But think I that's really tell. that's. Uh, I mean, you see that more often with other clubs, right? When during yeah. the late 70s, early 80s, exactly. being like the the prime period for like hooliganism, achieving like this terrible heights uh, and also like with Feyenoord like at some point in the 80s uh, the hooligans took over the club in the sense yeah. that people didn't show up anymore but like in the 70s and the 60s it was like this whole communal thing of this everybody in the city supporting Feyenoord like with their first uh, big final in in I think uh, Portugal, like the, against Benfica, one of the first, like the semi-final they're playing in the in the Euro Cup in 1970, 1969, 63. Was that 63? 63? Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That was like the 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 birth of uh, what they called Legion, yeah. like the big Feyenoord um, mass of supporters, and it being like uh, this communal group of people supporting a club, and then it gradually like the introduction of violence within uh, Italy, indeed, like in 78 with the with the Tottenham supporters who light the Kuipen fire and yep. like a lot of supporters being like, okay. What is this? Yeah, what is this? It's like yeah. this whole new thing of violence and football and, 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 and supporting your club in a very different way. And to the point that like in the 80s, the only people who actually were sitting in the stadium were hooligans and were like the really hardcore people destroying things, throwing yeah. things on the pitch and uh, Well, I think that was like the the, the turning point of of the birth of the, the 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 harder kind of hardcore supporters and the the really heavy media image we we see now. I think. Yeah, but I also quite intrigued by your 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 um, what you say. You talk about inferiority. You think like you you refer to your club as a superior, not you, but uh, the supporters or the 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 heart. It's a rivalry. It's yeah. everything to do with rivalry. Yeah, but I also I find it actually I don't fi- I don't think it's about superiority because I think there is actually a quite um, horizontal uh, um, perspective perspective towards each other because I think the I think um, the rules that are set to for this violence to happen they are also quite uh, fair. For everybody, it's not like a, 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 a team is inferior than we just kick the, their ass off. Like there is a, a sort of code of rules that where they, we set the ground for a fair fight, where we have both clubs. They have their own violent uh, side that will fight against the other club's violent side, or, and then the rest it's uh, like respecting each other. There is a sort of respect because I, I also was following this other photographer. I don't remember the name, but it's a Belgian photographer that came to the media press very uh, often lately with this crazy project where he infiltrated in, or he followed this uh, group of um, supporters that go fighting in the woods in uh, Belgium, no? So there are uh, these uh, fights. And uh, it was quite interesting to read that um, people just fight and until the enemy is on the ground and then you let you, you leave it there it's not like it's it's quite set uh, set uh, how do you say so yeah there are some rules in this fight so that's that that I find it quite interesting uh, do you see the clubs as superiority or inferiority or uh, this sound is processed by stereo tool Go to StereoTool.com. Uh, people, uh, some of my friends even who do, who really do see, uh, especially Ajax. It's look for fans. It's all about Ajax. <laughs> let's let's just be honest. It's all yeah. about them. So who really do see uh, have some kind of image about this club, about how they, 
well, they uh, they behave uh, arrogance. Uh, well, <laughs> can you add some? What are your really your? Well, the, they're the rich, arrogant yeah. fools who yeah. always show up when they're winning. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And we go to the stadium yeah. even though we always suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's. But it also has a lot to do about our cities, Rotterdam, Amsterdam. There's mm-hmm. always been this rivalry, and right now people are really uh, experienced. Well, experiencing that rivalry through football. Yeah. And really, uh, well, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I also think it's. it's I agree with that. It's, it, it also really has to do with with place, right? So I think many of the the fights. Um, what I found very interesting, for example, a few months ago when there were these riots in the Netherlands, in different cities, right? It was really in the news and everything. And um, whereas football fans were usually seen as the ones who, you know, I don't know, destroy buildings, uh, are dangerous. Now suddenly the football fans were the ones who had to protect the city, their city, for those people who were, I don't know, ruining shops, whatever. So, and, and this was, I find it, found it very interesting. The football supporters, because it was really, uh, yeah, it was unprecedented, well, these, these riots. So, and then football fans kind of stood up for what they saw as their city. And I think the same can, yeah, it, to some extent applies to Feyenoord Ajax supporters. I mean, that, that's the big rivalry to the two main cities in the Netherlands also, right? That's not a coincidence. That's why, so... Who, who is the boss in the Netherlands to put it very and, and especially if Ajax supporters come to Rotterdam then the fans supporters think well this is our place this is we have to protect our place actually they shouldn't even be here Amsterdam Ajax supporters probably think the same if fans supporters go there well they cannot go to each other's stadiums already for some time now because that's not that's forbidden um, but, but you know I, I think it has to do a lot with uh, attachment to place and what plays a role is, again, this particular type of masculinity that also is, is associated with protecting the family, protecting the city. And uh, the people had to, who protected the city in the time of the riots some months ago, it, it, to me, was, again, very interesting. It, and, it, yeah, also, yeah, very strange thing to see, actually, to, to, to suddenly see them as the ones protecting. I, I'm not sure what's the effect of that, right? Because, the, the, yes, yeah, sometimes the local governments worked together with the fans yeah. in that moment, and I'm not sure what will happen then, let's say, next year, if the stadiums are again fully filled and then things happen. I mean, they cooperated, and now suddenly they are again opposites in the future. Very confusing to me, but it showed something about attachment to place and that they really stand up for city, and it has to do, again, I think, with a particular type of masculinity where also, yeah, being strong, protecting others is important. Yeah, I like that when you talk about this, um, with the cl- about the clubs, you, you always refer to mediatic events, but also a very, yeah, um, uh, self-expressing image. No, like you refer to masculinity, to cameratism. But these are very um, images that are self-perception that are very close to people. And I like that, yeah, indeed, it's, uh, it, 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 it emerged also in a, in a bigger scale then. I think it's very close to people. And I think, therefore, this loyalty is so deep. And, and especially when the results for a large city like Rotterdam, the results are not always that good of the football club. I think it even becomes stronger because then you don't have the successes anymore to hang on to. You have to hang on to some other, uh, uh, some other thing that's even deeper probably. And it has to do with, with this um, yeah, self-identity in a way. Yeah, it's very close to the... To it, it, it's very close, but at the same time, it is mediated it is constructed it's not real it is because masculinity is also a construct reinforced by media i mean how many superheroes do we see yeah i mean this changes but we see with female superheroes as well but many in the we have still a tradition of masculinity being protecting others as very strong and so it's it, it's very close to people but at the same time it's this sound is processed by stereo tool go to stereotool.com play that role but but given that it's so indeed internalized it's, it's internalized but it's not free from media it's it's at the same time mediated it's constructed yeah it's like two uh, mirrors reflecting each other no 
Uh, yes, and reinforcing each other. Reinforcing each yes. other and uh, reinforcing this uh, fake image or fake or like not fake, but indeed it's not fake. I mean, for people it's real. Constructed. And, uh, it's constructed. That's why. But for people it's real, and I, I, no one can escape from that. I cannot escape from that either. Even though I'm a researcher reflecting on these issues, I mean, it's it's you you grow up with it. Uh, when you are born, you grow up in that society that, in, and you internalize those ideas of being a supporter, being a, a football fan, being what it means, being a man in a football stadium. All these things you you cannot escape from it anymore. Uh, Jako, uh, just to conclude, maybe, huh? because um, yeah, I find this is a very good conclusive um, point. Um, can you give us a bit of a solution here? Uh, do you have you ever thought about how to break this uh, self-reflecting loop somehow? So, do you mean a solution to? Yeah, this uh, this this uh, influencing uh, each other's perspective, no? The media and the supporter, the masculinity of the supporters. Is it something? Is there something that we can do? Is there something that? Um, yeah, the world, how, how the world should change to, to interrupt this. Yeah, there, there is something I, I think you can do, but I, I also want to say that it brings, it doesn't only bring negative things, the, 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 the masculine feeling of friendship, which is also part of what I know supporters, yeah, why they enjoy going to the stadium. Um, that also has to do in part with with that. So it brings also community feelings that the, the, these these types of masculinity or these these ideas of what a fan is like, what, how he should behave. It brings some some yeah. How it also brings positive things to many people. At the same time, you I, I completely would say that it also brings negative things. It creates sometimes exclusion based on like we said antisemitism, based sometimes on racial exclusion. Uh, and how to change that, I think one of the ways to change it is to make the stadium a bit more diverse. Um, the players are very diverse who are on the pitch. In the stadium itself, it's mainly white men, but but the good thing is also there's diversity because as long, when you are a supporter of the team, you're accepted. So in a way, also being part of uh, the fan base, and if you show that you're yeah, a fan of that club, also means that, yeah, that different people are accepted different people in terms of ethnicity, gender, etc. So that's in a way also, you know, again, a positive thing. But what you also see is that the opponents, they're definitely excluded and sometimes based on race, antisemitism. The only way to change that, I think, is to 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 also make um, make leadership much more diverse, first of all, because one, because that's all, it's a very white, masculine world still there. And that's, um, yeah, somehow still what we see when we look at football, when we see the coaches in front of the camera, when we see the real leaders, they're usually only white people, there are no women. And that also only reinforces this idea of that. The leaders yeah, are always in the team, in the, in the pitch. Not, we don't talk about leadership in the support clubs, right? What do you mean in the supporters? Uh, Among the supporters, there is, is there a leadership? Do you think uh, there is? A yes, I think there is also amongst fans. There is usually, uh, you were talking about the ones who start the chance. There are usually people who are, yeah, I mean, the others know better than I do. But what I've seen, I also go to FC Utrecht uh, sometimes. And what I see is usually a few people starting the songs. And they are the leaders. And they're, they're always men. And they're, yeah, women are not part of that group of leaders. They're part in, they're, they're obviously, like you said, they're in the stadium, but they're not part of the leaders. Well, I've not seen women being part of that leadership role. And I think if you make that more diverse, then the images change of what a football supporter is and of what men's football is about. If you see more diversity in terms of the leaders amongst the fans, uh, the coaches, the, the, the boards, then you change the image of football in a way. And I think that will do that will also change things. It has a trickle-down effect. It will also change things in the end amongst fans, in the end. And then it becomes more of a diverse place. Well, now it's not really, yeah. still. So going back to the metaphor... This sound is processed by StereoTool. Go to StereoTool.com. ...to assimilate somehow, no? Yes, and what you also... I, I was in, intrigued by what you said, that the body... 
let's say that the football fans, that they are the body, and you asked at some point in this conversation, you asked, okay, can we have an ideal type of Feyenoord and move towards that ideal type, which may be multicultural or... Or is the body itself, as it is now, mainly white men, is that only reinfor- reinforced because it is like it is? And I think the latter may be the case. I mean, people who uh, live outside of Rotterdam, they have a certain image of Feyenoord. And that image is partly in and through the media. And they want to be part of that narrative. So in that sense, the, the existing body only grows in the same direction because people go who like that image. They feel attracted to that specific image. I'm all, when I go to Feyenoord, I travel from Utrecht. I go by train and I see the supporters and they are usually the same kinds of people. They're all the same. Well, actually, when I'm in Rotterdam, only when I come to the stadium, then I see more diversity. But the people, some, I, I should do research, but the people who come from other places in the Netherlands, I have the feeling that they are attracted to this narrative. And that is... A specific narrative that's not reality, but it's a narrative that's not always that positive, in my view. Yeah. And, and, and people are attracted. So in that sense, the existing body only grows, um, attracting more same, similar people. Yeah, yeah that's... To conclude, um, basically what you're saying is the only way to, to change this narrative, to change this view of, of how, how this sort of, sort of white, masculine community is set up now, the only way to change that is to... Um, well, the, the types of people who are in the lead are the upper level of the of the football clubs, like the, the, the directors and the coaches and the, the people who actually have something to say about it. That should become more diverse. And from that point on, it will trickle down. And this, this, this image will hopefully water down a bit and becomes more diverse. Yes, because I think if the head of the body is getting more diverse, then the body itself in the end will be more diverse. That will change the image of what a football fan is like and it will attract also a more diverse community. In the, and, and, and so, But it is, it's a long process. But I think then the body is more diverse. People see that and they want to be part of a diverse body instead of just the white. You know, and I'm not saying it's only homogeneous, not only white male. There's diversity there, obviously, but still, um, yeah. In the okay. making... Well, on that note, I'd like to wrap it up. I mean, thank you all for being here. This, I mean, we, I think we could continue speaking for another hour easily, but at some point we have to end. So I'd like to uh, thank you all for being here, uh, Jaco, Joya, Lavinia also. And um, for the listener, this is uh, the end of Through the Madly Deeply, the podcast, but uh, stay tuned uh, and check out other things at Rokapje because around uh, Lavinia's block, there's some pretty cool other events coming up check out the instagram and the and the facebook page and the website for more information on that um thank you for tuning in and hopefully till next time